You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Yeah. I love that intro, man. I just, I just get mesmerized every time I hear it. So I want to make sure I shout out La Cashaw. He is an artist out of DC that has provided this intro for all of season two. So make sure you show him some love on Instagram, first name Laka, Twitter, first name Laka. For providing that fire. Brown Skin Lover, that's the name of the track. You can see it on SoundCloud, YouTube. Phenomenal. Man, I'm pumped. I'm excited. It's another episode. We episode 40. Like, seriously, right now, we have 40 episodes in. I never thought we would see 40 episodes, but we're 40 episodes in. So I'm pumped up. I'm excited. And most importantly, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you for listening, for continuing to come in each and every week. To, for the tweets, the emails, the Facebook messages, the LinkedIn messages of all the support, and especially with those that have been since, here since day one. And I, I really appreciate it. I don't take it for granted. It all started, and I was a guy with a dream. I had a network of individuals that I thought could provide value, and I wanted to create a platform and a resource so they can share their stories. And now it's beginning to evolve, and it's something a lot more major. I mean, we we we. we past 60,000 downloads. I mean, we're getting each and every week. It's like the snowball effect. More people are tuning in. More people are listening. More people are leaving reviews. And more people are encouraged about the content that our guests have been able to 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 give, especially in a time where our culture, where for some reason, there's a lot going on. That's all I got to say. As Vic Mensa would say, there's a lot going on. And and we just are continue to stay in this positive space and showcase those that are bringing light. And honestly, it's sad because I get emails every day from people that want to be featured on the show. And I can't feature everybody because I only have so much time. We only do it once a week. But there's so many people that are doing encouraging work out there. So I thank each and every guy for sacrificing an hour and, and sometimes two hours. I know y'all y'all is like, yo, gee, you pushing it now, dog. You done did two-hour podcast? Like, what is that? But seriously, I mean, I've gotten great reviews from that. It went many viral. So shout out to Jamaica, United Kingdom, Canada, and of course, United States for holding it down and making that already our third most listened to podcast, which shows the power of engaging content and real conversations. Who listens to two-hour podcasts? And I mean, I was getting emails like, yo, gee, I looked at that two hours and I was like, bro, I, I really ain't feeling it. But then they listened to the podcast was like, yo, that was dope. That was dope. That was dope. So I appreciate that. And um, 
Uh, before I get into it, I want to re read a couple reviews from a couple people. Taz, 0706. Greg Hill has done an amazing job with highlighting the trials and successes of entrepreneurs and those working in corporate America. This podcast really showcases the realities and the struggles that get to the top, but are also very encouraging. It leaves you feeling like you can accomplish anything. Thank you for putting this together. I tell everyone I know about your podcast. Thanks so much, Taz. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, cool Chick, 19,000 or 190,000. Greg E. Hill has such enthusiasm and sincerity and is positively impacting minority culture. The interviews are impressive and inspiring. I look forward to each new podcast. Ooh, thank you, Cool Chick. Y'all make, make my day. Lady B-Dub, great podcast. Love that it highlights the accomplishments of young African Americans. It inspires me to want to do more. This podcast shines the light on positive things that are happening within our culture. Showing proof to people young and old that we are people of greatness. Keep up the good work. P.S. I love your intro. I usually play it three times before I let the, let the podcast play. I want to play it in my wedding reception one day. <laughs> um, and the last one, my modern medicine. Just knowing that someone out there mirrors my ideals has been an immense benefit. Just waiting for there to be someone from the healthcare sector. Oh, ooh, I love that. I got you. Don't worry. I got you. We're going to get there. Like, I like, I just, I thank y'all for bearing with me because we've had a lot of successes and I read a lot, a lot of the, the feedback on the reviews and I appreciate it, but I, I am aware we have a long way to go. At some point, sometimes our quality can be, be hit or miss at times, and, and I, but I am aware we have a long way to go as far as even in our quality, um, even in the format and the framework that I do the interviews, because you know sometimes I get a little bit excited and I just be jumping everywhere. So I want to work on the structure, and there's other things. But I know you have questions that need to be answered, or you would like answered by some of the guests we have on our show. So please be aware that I am making note of some changes in as we progress into season three. I look forward to to ensuring a couple new changes and whatnot. So thank you, thank you so much for your feedback in those arena. And honestly, if you think you can add value to the podcast, rather help with the production of it, help with scheduling guests, help with the graphics, help with promotion, whatever, send me an email, greg at greggyhill.com. I really appreciate the help. I'm really working on building a team specifically for just a podcast so we can take this thing to a whole different level. I know I can't do it alone, especially doing I'm doing this for free. I still don't got no sponsors with it. So if you're a mid-sized business or corporate entity, you want to get sponsored on this platform, hit me up too, greg at greggyhill.com. You know I had to plug. Uh, and I <laughs> So before I begin, because I don't want y'all to forget this episode right here. I know I always say it, but this is going to be a classic because this young lady, is the epitome of overcoming obstacles, the epitome of betting on yourself, the epitome of taking nothing and, and pushing it and making something. And I, I don't know how we met, but all I know is that people on my show kept referencing her as somebody they look up to. And I was like, yo, who is this girl? And I looked online, I finally found her, and I was like, yo, she's doing some great things in, in this space. And the space that I'm talking about, this is brand strategy, is coaching, is helping entrepreneurs out there make more money, increase their brand, and make products, make courses, make things to drive revenue and to monetize their knowledge. So 
basically, long story short, she makes somebody that's maybe unsure of themselves, but knows something, say if it's about carpentry or say if it's about being a podcast or an author. And she works with them how to create products online, whether it's ebooks, whether it's courses, whether it's coaching, whatever, to take their brand to the next level monetarily and from a visual perspective. Like, it's crazy, and you know, y'all, y'all, y'all hip. If y'all read the podcast, you you know, there's a billion cats online that have these taglines with all these things that they promise to do, or they made a hundred thousand dollars in one hour. Here's how. And I was kind of skeptical, but once I looked at to see the continued engagement from her audience and the the, the level of respect they show for her, the income report she publishes. I was like, yo, she is the real deal. And reading her blog, the realness in her blog through the trials, but also the successes of her launches and the people that she's worked with, I was like, yo, I have to have her on the show. So let me read a snippet of her intro and then we're going to get into it. So she is a branding strategist, coach, and speaker that teaches creative business owners how to create magnetic content and irresistible products that will get them noticed and paid online. Paid online. She is the content curator behind MayaElias.com, where she shares hundreds of blog posts and resources for solopreneurs looking for clarity and strategy to build a profitable brand. For short, she helps cats make money. And when she's not helping her clients build a digital empire, she can be found watching Netflix and unfortunately eating pizza. Hopefully that's <laughs> gluten free. <laughs> so without further ado, I would like to introduce Maya Elias to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Greg. You are so silly. <laughs> nah, nah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up really because... <laughs> I think I'll be able to add a lot of value because I was just looking at questions, different different ways I wanted to tag this interview. And I was like, yo, she knows freaking a lot of stuff. And everybody knows well, the way we operate the show, we have three different sections. We have the beginning. We have how they got started and their background. Then we have the present day. Like, what does it look like today? Actionable advice for those that are looking to get in that industry. And then at the end, we have the future round. We talk about the future because at the end of the day, if you don't, try to look at the future, then your present is going to be in. All right. So we always start to show off with a quote and because I'm a big, big quote guy. Everybody knows me. I send a quote to like 170 people every morning um, and I'm doing the last couple of years. So Miss Elias, Miss Maya, please, please share with our audience a quote that you live by and a story on how you apply that quote to your everyday life. <laughs> oh man. Well, first of all, I definitely need to get on this list of people that you're sending <laughs> quotes out to because then I possibly would have been more prepared to have a quote. <laughs> a quote that I like is if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, wait until you hire an amateur. So it's not something that I necessarily live by, but it's something that I really, really like because it's really important to me that people invest in themselves and invest in their business. And I think a lot of people try to take the shortcut mm -hmm. in the easy way, and then they end up costing themselves more time, money, and energy um, instead of just doing it right the first time. So I really like that quote. Amen. Amen. So what was the, can you share a story about maybe how a time that that, that quote applied to a situation that you were dealing with? 
Um, yeah, sure. So it's applied to me if I've ever tried to take a shortcut or if somebody's ever tried to take a shortcut before hiring me. So <laughs> usually when people eventually kind of like break down and make that investment with, with working with me as their coach, they tell me about all of the other things that they have tried before, just buying like little ebooks or just reading blog posts for years or just, you know, trying to take the shortcut into starting their business instead of just making that investment to get the proper education. So that's an example. And maybe if I've ever tried to take a shortcut with, um, I'll relate it back to fitness. So instead of just kind of putting aside a budget and trying to make sure that I properly meal prep and meal plan, I end up actually spending more money eating out <laughs> instead of just kind of being disciplined with uh, being healthy and going to the gym and stuff like that. So that's an example on my end. Yeah, nah, nah. I've been, I've been telling a lot of people, if you can afford it, like if you're really on this fitness tip and you can afford it, just get you a trainer and get you like somebody like an intermediate, not an expert level chef, but an intermediate person that can help you create those meals because you have that that trainer there. You see him every other day grinding and you around his p- other people that are getting it in. I mean, you're encouraging Inspire first because you're paying a lot. Like, man, I had a trainer. It was like 250 a month. I like that. Like 250 a month and I was going three times yeah. a week and working out with 10 people. And I was like, oh, how much okay. is it? Right. making but i was in the best shape of my life because i knew i had to show up and there was other people out there getting it so invest in yourself okay <clears throat> yeah and i will say if nothing else that investment is accountability enough sometimes because when you see that money drafted from your account <laughs> that definitely makes you want to get up and put in some work <laughs> now you got to you got to you got to so <laughs> let's open up with a can you share with our audience a little bit about yourself your background and where you come from Yeah, absolutely. So as you guys already know, my name is Maya Elias, and I am the daughter of two West African parents. So my sister and I are both first-generation American, and uh, my parents came to this country, obviously, for a better life from Liberia and West Africa. And I've pretty much always liked designing pretty things on the internet. So that's kind of how I got started when I was 18. Um, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, because my dad had received a job there. So after I graduated, I went to community college there. And I was really into making MySpace pages. I thought it was so fun. So I met this guy, and he asked me if I knew how to make professional and custom MySpace pages. And then he offered me $50 to make one. Mm. And I just thought it was the (laughs) coolest thing to make money doing something that I really enjoyed and was already doing for free, already doing for fun. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much how I started making money on the internet. Back in 2008, I was 18 years old and I was just like, wow, this is so cool. So, and, and back then, like, I didn't even think of myself as an entrepreneur. I was just like, oh, making money. So obviously I wasn't doing <laughs> uh-huh. anything right, like setting up an LLC or doing taxes. I was, I, I didn't even start any of that stuff until like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty much where I started. A lot of my clients were people from like um, the reality VH1 shows, like For the Love of Ray J and uh-huh. Real Chance of Love, which is just hilarious. <laughs> um, and then I realized, you know, I really wanted to take this seriously. Um, I started telling people I was a web designer before I had ever built a website just mm-hmm. because I knew a little, little bit of coding from MySpace. And then this lady from Houston, her name was Ayana Mack. She was a radio host, which I thought was the coolest thing. She gave me like three or $400 to build her website. And then I was like, dang, now I really have to actually figure out how to build a website. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I went on YouTube and I figured it out. I built her a website in maybe like a week or two, which was really interesting and fun to learn. 
And that's pretty much how I started. And then when I transitioned and actually started getting better as a business owner, learning who my audience was, learning what they needed for me, increasing my value, increasing my prices, I decided that I wanted to drop out of college. And that was definitely like the scariest moment of my life because I mean, if any of you guys listening know or have friends that have African parents, you know mm. that is definitely not in their goals for their children. So, Mm -hmm. you know, African parents want you to be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, uh, work a great government job, work a great uh, corporate job. So that was definitely really, really scary for me. But I mean, that's pretty much like my humble beginnings. And then once I dropped out, then my business grew, of course. But um, that's just kind of summarizing how I started. Oh man, that's that's phenomenal. Uh, because I know for for our long time listeners, or the the first episode of season two we had in Gazio Power, uh, CEO he free hair on on the show, and she shared same same story. Like when she went to A and T, her parents disowned her because her her family like was on that Ivy League tip, boom whoop, and she went to A and T. Her, her father didn't talk to her for four years because she's oh my Nigeria. gosh, like for four years because she yeah. went to A and T. And first of all, I get proud, but she went to A&T in four years. So, um, I can only imagine, uh, when you, you dropped before you even graduate college dropped out. But what, 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 when, what, what made you say that wasn't for you though? Because that's unique. I think you're one of the first people on the show that has thrived in their business and really doesn't have, uh, didn't graduate from college. So at that time, what, what was going through your head at that time? Oh man, during that time, to be completely honest, there was like a lot of anxiety during that time because I was trying to do well in college and please my parents while also trying to balance my business, which was the priority in my life. Mm -hmm. So honestly, just trying to please other people can be very, very stressful. Um, And I wasn't pleasing my parents because I wasn't even doing well in college. So I was going to classes, but I wasn't doing well because I was not good at it. Mm -hmm. So during that time, I was just like, man, I really just, I have to pick one. I'm not going to be able to succeed in one or the other trying to do both. Like it just wasn't for me because I needed to give 100% of my energy to one instead of 50% to both. Um, So I remember one day I went to class Um, And I had asked all of my teachers, would I be able to take my test early or later because I had to go out of town for business. Mm -hmm. And I went to my matrices class, which is just like, what is the matrices? Yeah. (laughs) Tell the story. People are like, what is matrices? And I'm like, this is exactly why I dropped out because it's like, really, what is matrices? (laughs) (laughs) So I go to class and I tell my instructor that I have to go out of town. Um, Can I take my test early or when I get back? And he's like, no, you're just going to have to take a zero in this on this test and hope that your next test score is good enough to replace it. And when he told me that, I just left and I never went back as a student. I went back to speak, but I never went back as a student because I was just like, I don't want to be in an environment where I'm paying people and they do not care for me to succeed. Like they don't prioritize they're not allowing me to prioritize what's important to me. So they would rather just see me fail. So I was like, I'm not doing this. And I'm the person that's going to be in debt for college. So I was just like, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> amen. Amen. So conversely, how do you think that has uh, affected you, like going for navigating the world in this space as a as a as a entrepreneur and, and some of the stigma attached? Like how you've been able to to grow. I know this is a loaded question and we'll talk through it throughout the show, but just, I guess, real short, like, because I know there's a stigma attached, especially if you're African-American. Oh, go to college, go to college. And if you don't go to college, then and, and you're not an athlete. It's like, oh, so so what are you going to do? So how have you been able to kind of get through that mental barrier 
and flourished so far? Um, to be honest, a lot of people are more so inspired by what I did instead of put off by what I did. Because I think a lot of people, they have something that they want to do and that they're really passionate about, but they're holding on to that comfort zone of pleasing other people and getting approval from other people. And they look at somebody that's young and black like me and they're just like, wow, like that's dope. Like the most important people in her life, she kind of let go of that approval and went after what she wanted to go after. So to be honest, a lot of people have really been supportive and what gave you the courage to do that? And how do you do this? How do you do that? So it's been pretty amazing. And it's interesting because I had written a blog post about dropping out of college and my dad was like, why do you always tell people that you drop out of college? Like, I I think he was embarrassed by the fact that I was so open about it and that I wasn't embarrassed about it. And I was like, this is my story. Like, I'm not going to be hiding my truth just because it may make other people uncomfortable. Mm, That's that's deep. That really is. That really is. That really is. So what was your first like aha moment in business where you said, I can really make a living doing this because I know some of us are dibbing and dabbing in certain hobbies and certain things. And we're like, okay, so did 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 it the switch ever go off to be like, yo, this is I can really make a real living. Not not to say five, ten thousand is is not bad, but you can't live off that for a whole year. So what did you say have the confidence to be like, yo, I'm what was that exact moment of that story when you had that? Um, man, I don't really know if there was like a switch where I was like, yes, (laughs) Uh entrepreneurship is the right choice for me. It was just like, it just felt right. I was like, this is what I do. This is what I love. I'm excellent at it. And I'm willing to put in the work. And I'm very much so a self-starter when it comes to business. So there's really never work that's too hard that I'm not willing to do. So I knew, you know, dropping out of college was a huge decision. And that meant I was going to have to work harder. But that really didn't phase me. Knowing how much work I was going to have to put in didn't phase me. So it wasn't necessarily a switch like, I know I can make this amount of money. It was just like, I know I'll be able to put in the work and, and educate myself enough to succeed Mm, perfect and i know you have transitioned over the last couple years into more so creating online courses coaching speaking and 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 matter but you got your first start in graphic design not is it i don't want to discredit is it graphic design right yeah web and graphic design web and graphic design so before we get to kind of what you do now how did you start off um and actually when your first couple years out of college in that web and graphic design space and get clients and get your name out there in the industry um (laughs) it's always so it's always so funny thinking back because sometimes i forget all of the things that i've done (laughs) Um, Because I had even like run this online magazine called Charlotte Exposed, which was a complete knockoff off of um, ATL Exposed. (laughs) Always in clubs, taking photos. Uh Um, People would always go my website. So I was like pretty... I was very visible Mm -hmm. in Charlotte. Um, I was always connecting with local artists. Like I've always really connected with people that were very talented, but didn't know how to get on. And so that's always really been my thing, whether it was web or graphic design or coaching or online courses. So I've just always found a way to make myself visible, whether I'm inside of a club taking pictures Mm -hmm. or just having meetings with people or just getting to know people online. So I always connected with people and built relationships with people. And then a lot of my business um, when I was a web and graphic designer was word of mouth, just because I I built so many excellent relationships. 
Mm. And what was that? What was that? That that moment where you said, "Okay," when you transitioned from web and graphic design into saying, "I, I had to do. I want to do more, and I have more to offer to this to this space." Oh man. So doing that transition was definitely the second scariest thing. So I feel like the first scariest thing I've done was drop out of college Mm -hmm. and having to tell my parents. And the second thing was letting my clients know I'm not going to be doing web and graphic design anymore. Um, I decided to make that transition because I realized that a lot of my clients and people were seeking advice from me on what should I put on my website? What should I write on there? Um, How can I get more people to come to my website? So they weren't even so much interested in only the design aspect. They were interested in the strategy. And I found a lot of people wanted to hop on calls with me and talk about that. And I don't like being on the phone and I don't like attending meetings that I am not getting paid for. So <laughs> I was like, this is doing too much. I need to put a price tag on it, see who's willing to pay and kind of just go from there. And then I started blogging. Of course, I wanted people to get familiar with me as an expert in branding instead of just a designer. Um, and then I also started I created like an online membership. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was Mm -hmm. like, let me just try it out and kind of see who's interested. So I put a price out there. I think when I started, I was maybe like $75 an hour for consulting Mm -hmm. and people bought in and I worked with people one-on-one. So I was like, I really, really enjoy this. I want people to get results. And I think uh, me educating them is going to help. Mm. So what level, when you first uh, jumped out online, what level were you at as far as on social media and just in general to say, have that confidence to be like, I have real followers that really pay me or whatnot, or was it just you kind of leaping out on faith? And then once you did that and you put that out there to the atmosphere, everybody was like, oh shit, we'll pay you. Yeah. Honestly, I'm very much so the type of person that just puts myself out there. I'm not like, oh, I don't have enough followers. Cause I think Maybe on Twitter, I had like 2000 followers, possibly when I started doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of like to do it. Like, I'm not really afraid of failure. I'm just like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I like to really test myself to see how far I can go and who's going to gravitate towards what I put out into the universe. So it was just kind of like, I felt confident that I could, you know, do one-on-one consulting with people and it just kind of happened. So Oh man, that's that's fantastic. And what would you say? Because I know you've been in the game for a little while. So we're about to ask some more intense questions. Like, what do you think is the difference between a pro and an amateur as far as in this online space, which is every single day is getting more crowded <laughs> and more crowded with a lot of noise? Yeah, I definitely think that the difference between like an amateur and an expert is that experts are very clear and aware of what they do know and what they don't know. And they don't try to claim to know everything. They're they're just really focused on what it is that they do know. And I also feel like when you're an expert, you know so much on your topic that you can give away free information and still have stuff left over to sell. And that's why I think blogging is so important because it allows you to showcase your expertise and start building trust with people. I could literally talk about branding all day long and still have stuff left over to sell you on branding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I just think it's about being really well versed in what it is that you're passionate about, what it is that you are good in, and then also just feeling confident in it. I think a lot of amateurs, so to speak, it's just kind of like an idea that they like, but they're too scared to take action or um, not willing enough to continue educating themselves on a specific topic. 
Mm. And I know you weren't always a pro. So when you were in your, I guess I want to call you amateur phase, when you're in your <laughs> beginning phase, what are some things that you did specifically or whether that's conferences or just getting out there to make that transition into the pros? Um, yeah, I was definitely an amateur. Like when I look back on some of my work, I'm like, girl, you were way too confident for what you had going on. Um, honestly, educating myself, like it's just crazy because I value education so much. Like even as a college dropout, I think for me, I just like to be educated on things that matter to me. So I listened to a lot of podcasts starting out. I read a lot of eBooks. I read a lot of blog posts. I attended a lot of webinars. Those things were really important to me. I was just so passionate about becoming better that I wanted to learn about it all of the time and not only learn about it, but actually apply it to my business. And I think that also separates amateurs from experts because uh, people can read information all day, but if you're not applying it, then you're really not going to get any results. Mm, mm, I love that. I love that. And what, and thus far, like what is, what has some have been the, the best resources for growing your brand? Because the biggest thing I see uh, with with your with their follow the people that follow you and and listen, they're engaged because I know a lot of people out here with tens of thousands of followers on different social media platforms. But you go to their blogs, there's no comments. You look on their Twitter, there's no really engagement, and it's hard. To, first of all, it's hard to get engagement on Twitter, anyways. But there's no really engagement. But you seem to have a broad array of people. Not only African American, but from all different ethnicities and backgrounds that did not only look at your talent, but they're comment, they're engaging, and they're working with you. So, what would be some resources or some some tips so people can kind of grow their engagement and grow their audience base? Um, for engagement, for me. I love engaging with my audience, like just having conversations. For me, I genuinely want to see people succeed and I cannot help you succeed unless I know who you are and what you need for me. So I'm always having conversations with people, which means I'm always asking questions and then I'm always listening. So I think a lot of the times people aren't getting engagement because they're just talking about stuff. They're just talking about themselves. They're not necessarily telling a story. Mm -hmm. They're not asking their audience questions. Like if you want people to talk to you, you need to ask them a question that they can actually give you a response to. Um, so I think people just need to focus on learning how to storytell and connect with their audience and then asking questions that will get their audience thinking and responding. Mm, I love that. That's that's very that's very concrete and actionable. And as you say, this industry, the information industry, the the consulting industry, coaching industry, it has a lot of people that they may, may maybe mean misleading. Like, you know, they have these outrageous, oh, I made a hundred thousand dollars in 30 days with this. I did this. I did that. <laughs> so how, how for our audience, because like, like I said, we're, we're on these webinars, we're searching these blogs, we're reading these eBooks and we're just saying, okay, how do, how do we, how can we tell the real from the fake who we should trust with our money, with our time and looking at their stuff? Are they not just selling me stuff? Are they not just giving these, 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 uh, these webinars that they have done a thousand times and just re-recording and making it look live? Like, how do you tell the, cause you've seen it all. Cause I mean, when I first started getting in the speaking space, everybody is a, a expert in, in getting paid to speak and expert in doing this. And I spent almost, luckily, I'm a, I'm a practitioner, but I spent almost a year on these webinars, on these calls, on all this stuff by all these experts. And then I'm looking at their, their their engagement online. I'm looking at, okay, where are they actually speaking at? And I'm like, right. So how do you tell the real <laughs> from the fake in, in the online space where all you can take, all you need to do is write a tagline? 
<laughs> you definitely have to be smart. You have to, again, it's all about being educated. Like if you're just giving people money because they say they're an expert, that's on you. Like, again, comes back to blogging, comes back to content marketing. If you're not able to tell me how to do something for free, then you're definitely not able to tell me how to do it for money. Ooh, that's a, that's quotable right there. That That's a tweetable. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love that. I love that. And um, and I, 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 I want to talk about this, too, because I know you've probably have seen it all working with different clients and working with different entrepreneurs, bloggers, whatever, creatives. What are some of the, the top like if you had to say top mistakes that you see and maybe things that people aren't thinking about how they can fix them? Oh, man. So going back to content marketing, I literally just talked about this on a webinar, mm-hmm. which was actually live and not pre-recorded. <laughs> um, I was saying that the biggest mistake is that people, again, are trying to sell stuff without having content to back it up. And the example that I gave was you're trying to sell me a package that says I can lose 20 pounds in five weeks, but you don't have one blog post on fitness or health or weight loss. So it's just like, how do you really want people to trust you? I think people believe in the quote, if you build it, they will come. And that is not true. You have to build it and then you have to promote it and then you have to back it up. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but how long do you like how many blog like is there's no there's no formula strategy. You just need to kind of test it out to see as far as the expertise, because building an online course, like, because sometimes, and I think about it, like, because I know you have experience building online courses. I mean, it seems like it's a, it's a, it takes a lot of wealth information, a lot of time. Like, when you, how was, how was building your first online course? <laughs> oh my gosh. Building my first online course took me so long. And honestly, I sold it before it was even finished. And I just started, I was adding as people were going, because a lot of times when people take, online courses, it takes them a lot of time to get through the information just because there's so much. But building my online course was definitely like a learning experience. Um, What I learned is that a lot of times when you start out building online courses is that the information that you give is way too general. So when I started my online course, it was like how to set up your blog, how to design your blog, how to get an audience. And it was like, Usually if somebody goes to your sales page and they see that you're giving all this stuff, people don't want more information. They want specific information. Mm -hmm. So somebody looks at the list of modules I have and I have eight modules and they think they can only benefit from two, then I'm probably going to miss out on that sale. Whereas I could have just made it a very specific course on like how to grow your blog audience instead of that just being one module of a very broad course. So I think it's just really important to be specific and you're probably going to be able to cut down a lot of the information but it's actually going to be more valuable mm, yeah 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 and on and on that note because i know just just yesterday i had a friend that was really frustrated they've been in the game i think almost a year and they're creating a lot of content but they're like man greg nobody's nobody's coming to my site with a whoop and i mean i i, I gave him some advice but i said i'm not really the man and there's a lot of blogs out there but i know you talk about it all the time and, I, and i've read your blog about different strategies, lead-ins to kind of grow an email list and and to get more views on the site. But what would you say to these these young professionals or, or these people that are, are working on on different projects, but they're just not getting the traction they think, and they're putting out content because I think you yeah. said it's clear people are working hard out there, like working hard, putting out content, putting their life out there. I'm talking about they talking about some deep stuff in this stuff. It's, it's not yeah. just no fluff stuff. So what would what advice do you have those people that are on the edge? Like, okay, I've been in this blogging space and I'm not getting nothing. Yeah. Um. So one thing I think that maybe people are doing is like 
they want there to be like an end point. There's no like end game necessarily when it comes to <laughs> blogging. Like, okay, I got these 10 blog posts up. Where are the results? Like, it's just, you have to keep going. <laughs> you have to keep going. And and it's not like I wrote 10 posts about branding. I am an expert now. <laughs> like, it doesn't work like that. You just write about what you know, you engage with people and you promote the crap out of your blog. And I think a lot of people are just so afraid of spamming, which I totally get because there's some people that promote, quote unquote, and they're really just spamming. But what you have to do is invite people to to consume your content. So if somebody is following your platform, they want your information and you're doing them a disservice if you're not sending them to your blog, if you truly believe that what you are saying is valuable. If somebody wants to know about your stuff, they will sign up for your email list. So really the difference also between like promoting and spamming is if somebody is on your platform looking for that information versus you hopping in somebody's space without permission, like hopping in somebody's DMs, hopping in somebody's (laughs) comment section, hopping in somebody's mentions, like, hey, go check out my new blog. Um, And another thing is that people are not, people are not articulating their value. This is so hard for new creatives because in our minds, we know how valuable we are. We know how important our blog post is and how great it is. But these headlines that we're creating, these captions that we are creating, these little blurbs that we're creating for social media, they're just not enticing. You telling me that you have a new blog post up literally does nothing for me. But if you telling me that you have a new blog post up on five ways you can jump your weight loss journey when you've been struggling to lose the last 10 pounds, that is so specific. And it's something that I want to read. You have to be specific. You have to be valuable. I need to know how this is going to benefit me. At the end of the day, you need your your audience is asking what's in it for me. And if you cannot answer that question clearly and articulate it in a short and concise manner they do not care Mm, that's harsh advice but um that's i I love it and now okay you have this wealth of knowledge in your head through all these years of experience but you open this door when you when you when you go through this door the person is your new coaching client is yourself seven years ago Mm-hmm. What do you tell her? If you just you just had like 10, 20 minutes to just give her all, all advice, what would be the top things you tell her <laughs> about that? And I know that's a loaded question, but I always like try to try to pick the brain of the audience. Like, what would you tell yourself five seconds? Oh years man. Ago? <laughs> what would I tell myself? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I would tell myself to be more careful about the things maybe that I post on the internet. Um, I would tell myself to What's some other mistakes that I've made? Be very specific in who I want to work with. I would tell myself, don't don't undercharge yourself. Don't work with people that are annoying because that's a headache and it ends up being a waste of money. Um, what's some really good advice? And I'm trying to think back, like, man, thinking back seven years ago, like that's so long. Yeah. Um, I would tell myself to read more, exercise more. Cause I'm like so into people that are really good at fitness. Cause I just think that takes such like a high level of like mental capacity that you can pretty much put in every other aspect of your life. I'd probably tell myself to work out more, um, get into a consistent routine. Cause I think like if I knew what I knew now, like even just two years ago, I could probably like triple my business or quadruple my business. So probably getting more so into a routine and just being very, very disciplined. 
Mm, I love that. I love that. That's that's where tri- you would you even tripled your business if you if you know what you know now. Oh my gosh, I definitely <laughs> would. I absolutely would. I'd be putting in those strategies. I mean, because when you're ahead of the game, you're ahead of the game. So uh-huh. if I'm two years ahead of the game and implementing the strategies that nobody else knows about, I'd be out here. Ah, so oh, so so where <laughs> where are the strategies nobody else about this? Shit? <laughs> I can actually tell you some. Sh- Strategies that uh, one of my colleagues and I were just talking about, which is completely random. So as course creators, we're kind of really thinking that doing online memberships is kind of the way to go mm-hmm. because we are in the the age of um, information. People are just so tired of all of this information. They have access to all of these blog posts, all of these eBooks, all of these workbooks, all of these webinars, and their brain is just like, listen, I don't need any more information. I need somebody to hold my hand and make sure I actually apply this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like doing an online membership that has a community and has somebody that's like moderating the, the membership and helping them navigate all of this information is definitely the way to go. Like me sp- specifically, like I had this course called Master Your Market, which was like my high premium course. And I love the information inside. But I was like looking at my students and kind of looking at the percentage of people that were getting results. And everybody in the course was like, wow, this information is so good. But a lot of people weren't applying it. And it's not necessarily because they're lazy, but but if you know you're not a self-starter in business, you probably need a coach. So that like I transitioned it into making a coaching program because I was like, people need that accountability. So if you're thinking about creating an online course, consider turning it into an online membership. Number one, because you have people that will be with you long term. So that's consistent money coming in for you, and they're gonna get better results, which is also a good look for you because you'll have better testimonials. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. And my question to that is though. What is it? Is it wrong if you say if you start an online community and you first start out, maybe you only have 10 to 20 people? Is that what, what's your take on that? No, I think that's totally fine. And because I don't I never really believe that more is better, especially mm. when it comes to people and information. Like for me, I've, I've always wanted like courses that had like a thousand people in them. But I'm realizing that I work better with people one on one and in small groups. Like if I have a workshop and only eight people show up, we get more done anyway because we don't have a million voices. So if you have a membership with 20 people, that's a really good, solid membership. People are probably going to get better results. Mm -hmm. And again, starting out, you'll have great testimonials as you grow. I love that because I think sometimes, and you're hitting on this, this, this great point, sometimes as entrepreneurs, we feel as if... We like when we launch a summit or a conference or first of all, we always start with some of the conferences, like even a small <laughs> workshops. We have if we have four or five people like, oh, man, if I if I put a picture online, like people going to be like, oh, man, people are not showing up, whatever. But you charge your worth and whatnot and have that. I think that people, you can get a lot bigger, value, like you said, a lot bigger value add and be able to be more intentional with those people and have them have amazing results rather than having 20 people have average results and then they never come back. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like once you let go of your ego and you really focus on your purpose and how you're meant to serve people, those numbers really aren't going to phase you that much. I guess this transition into to present day, present day and kind of you and, and your business. I know last year has been phenomenal for you. So and before, actually, yeah, with that, did you have to do a certain rebrand of yourself and, and when you made that transition? And because uh, I know a lot of people here are in certain situations where they're they're, re, they're rebranding, they're they're trying to change kind of the perception that people have of them or change where they're going in their business. So you may be the person to go to as far as talking about the the art of rebranding. <laughs> um, I think that 
I don't think that I necessarily rebranded. I think that I just matured my branding a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm still the same person. What happened was honestly is that since I'm so big on storytelling, I've always told my story with my audience. So even though I went from Maya, the amateur freelancer to <laughs> now Maya, the branding expert, people have people that have rocked with me since 2008 still rock with me in 2016 because I didn't try to change who I was. I was just maturing and allowing people to take that journey with me. So it wasn't like, oh, let me do this huge rebrand, shut down my site for three weeks and <laughs> relaunch it again. I was just like, um, hey, y'all, it's still Maya. I'm growing. I'm transitioning into this. Here's a couple of new colors, a couple of new photos. Bam. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so if you had to, if you did an analysis of your businesses, what would you say maybe the str- the, the, the top strengths that you bring as a, a coach, as a creator, as a change agent? And what would you honestly say maybe one, uh, uh, maybe one area where you can kind of take it to the next level in? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think my best quality, I guess, as a coach is that I really just enjoy the teaching aspect of it and making sure people are getting results. So I think maybe just finding a way to just stay connected with my audience is just most important to me. Like if you're not getting results, you're you're not feeling happy about your business, then I feel like there might be something that I need to be working on better as a coach or a, a course facilitator. So just making sure that I'm staying connected to my audience and not really losing sight of what's important. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is that area where it's like, I can probably take it to the next level? I know you're planning on change, but like, what is it? What do you think is that area? (laughs) Um, Man, these are some tough questions. You tried to dodge it. I was like, let me. I know. Okay, let's see. Okay, so what area? Um, Gosh, Greg, I don't know. All right, give me like an example, because maybe I'm not understanding the question right. Okay, like I know in my area, I need to, um, and I'm working towards it, but I need to, first of all, charge, charge what I'm consistently charge, um, what I'm worth and then monetize certain aspects because I've been building a foundation of different things as far as speaking, podcasting, blogging, just building stuff over the last couple of years. But I really haven't made any strides about me creating products or live events and whatnot. So it's in a pipeline for me to level up and really stop treating things like a hobby. I'm getting off on natural yeah. talent right now. So, uh, <laughs> like that's God given, like we get gigs right. just because we just, we, we doing that. But I know that that natural talent is not going to suffice in four or right. five years. I'm not going to have the same engine. I'm not going to have the same market that they, that they needs my services. I'm going to have to transition different markets. So being more intentional about, um, my, my, how, how much I charge my time, like my yeah. time. I, I, and I read, I read a couple of your posts and, the biggest thing, one of the things I took out is a lot of times my time is getting spent because I think I forgot which post it was. But, you know, when you hit a certain level of success, not to say I'm nowhere near like a uh, expert or like one of the top guys in my field. But I've hit a certain point where people are have there's higher expectations for what you need to do. There's and more people want more more of your time or want this, want that. So just juggling that whole thing when I'm still trying yeah. to take it to the next level. <laughs> right, right. And I'm not the guru. People come to me like I'm the guru. And I'm I like, yo, that. like, no, can I, I I need that time to be taken to the next level so I can give you the blueprint. <laughs> Yeah. Well, first, don't discredit yourself. I don't don't give a disclaimer just because you want to charge more money or say things like, well, I'm not really an expert. I'm not really a guru. And I don't even mean to put you on the spot, but I do hear people saying that a lot. And I'm like, you don't need to give a disclaimer or discredit yourself before you try to tell people why you're valuable. 
But I do appreciate that example because I know thinking about it now exactly what I need to do. And for me, it's speaking more in churches. And that's something that was really important to me, um, just talking a lot about purpose. So something that's really important to me is I I feel like a lot of people um, in the church, they kind of... They think of money and products and helping people like the moment you charge for something, it's no longer genuine and it's no longer authentic. And I really want to be able to change that mindset. And so I have this master class called Purpose and Profit and just talking about how you can profit from your God-given purpose. Mm -hmm. And I really want to be able to take that in churches and I have not been intentional enough about that. So if there's one area where I need to step my game up, it needs to be that. Like I've taken like preliminary action, like working with a coach that is, you know, very familiar with the word and and helping me just understand how to infuse the word in my business a little bit more, but actually creating that package and approaching churches is something that I need to move forward with. Yeah. 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 And I got a question. I want to circle back into that, that masterclass uh, portion because our mastermind group portion, because I think a lot of audience could benefit from just getting into that space but my question too and the reason why i say i didn't want to put myself as a guru because a lot of times and i'm still getting over this in the in a when you're in a in a space where you're what your your point of living is public like you mm-hmm. blog or you speak you're in the public a lot you all i mean not you uh but uh or not people in general but my, i speak for myself sometimes i don't want to come off as like too arrogant or cocky so i dehumanize everything i don't i don't accept confidence <laughs> i don't anything it's like because i don't want people to be be like this so i'm like no nah, i'm not this nah, 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 nah. so how did have you found your balance because like what you do is in a, like you when you snap or when you're traveling giving these workshops and doing all this other stuff that balance between knowing not not discrediting yourself but also keeping that air because it's really hard in this this age where, especially when you're very transparent about different things and people see you in all these lights. I always want people to realize that I'm real. Like I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of speakers. They get they get in the hype and then all they quote is all they all they tweet about is quotes <laughs> and everything everything they write about is like oh this is this is this. If you don't sleep. If you don't sleep at all, then this is, how, this is the only way you're going to succeed and all this stuff. I'm like, bro, that's not really you, dog. I know you, bro. Right. Like, I know you. Like, stop exactly. playing. And I said, I would. I, that's when I got into this game. I said, I will never be that guy that's right. like, oh, Greg is smiling. He's literally like, no, 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 no. I want to be real. Bring some realness to this industry. And that's kind of my selling point. But I know and it, it's kind of also <laughs> held me back a little bit. So yeah, yeah. how do you deal? How you deal with that? <laughs> you know cats i'm, I'm like bro no dog i know you man. i'm cracking up because i know people like that too and i'm just like girl stop lying because i'm definitely not the type of person that's like you need to do this in order to succeed like i hate that because for so long i was told that i had to graduate college to succeed so i hate being that authoritative figure that says you have to do this this and this so again for me it always comes back to i know what i know and i'm very confident in that but i also don't know what I don't know. And I think being transparent about what areas that I'm that I'm not very well versed in, that's what people connect with. Like a lot of people connect with the Maya that goes to the gym four times a week, one week, and then she goes to the gym once in another week, like people really connect to the other aspects of my brand. So people aren't like turned off by me because I consider myself an expert and I consider myself one of the best personal branding strategists because I'm confident in that. But it comes back to telling your story. What are the other aspects of Maya that people can connect to outside of just the expert? 
Mm, I love that. And the circle back into that masterclass. Like when 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 did you first started getting in um to masterclass and then what what would you say to your audience? Because you do you have a mastermind group right now that that you that you host primarily or no, so I don't have a mastermind group that I host. Um I just have the coaching program that I'm gonna be launching. Um, which I'll have like a certain amount of people in there and they'll get coaching for me for six months. But the masterclass, which is just something that I would teach live and then sell pre-recorded. Um, I got into that mm, probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I sold my first masterclass actually, I think maybe like last June or July, which was really, really exciting. But I just felt like I had had a message that I wanted to send out and I wanted to do it live and then be able to sell a recorded version. And so I sold it. (laughs) I created it and then I told people about it. And that's kind of how I got into it. I feel like that's kind of how I get into everything. I'm like, I have something that I feel is important. I'm going to do it. Then I'm going to tell people about it. That's pretty much the cycle. (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a that's a that's a great cycle to have. And uh, before we get into the future round, I want to ask how because I know that you collaborate with a lot of different individuals in your field, and I love that because sometimes we when we're starting off, either we a we isolate ourselves because we're like that's competition, or or I don't I don't I don't want to do a guest post on this. Or I don't want to collaborate anybody because I think I'm just this sweet in this arena. So what is your what is your mindset about good partnerships? Um, cause I know you've had your fair share of partnerships that didn't kind of wane out and whatnot, but mm-hmm. what, what's your mindset about collaboration and being, being a part of community and helping the community and not always have like that. I need to, I need, how am I benefiting off? I mean, of course you need to have that, but like, yeah. what, what's your, what's your mindset on that? Um, for me, my mindset on collaboration, like I've always looked at people and been like, oh, I can be as good as them. Always. So everybody like, says that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I think that that's a really important mindset to have, to be completely honest. Like, I think a lot of people are scared of collaboration because they think they're not good enough. And I'm like, well, first of all, you need to start believing that you are good enough and then reach out to people that you think you can make magic with. So my mindset has always either been I can I'm as good as this person or I can build myself up to be as good as this person. And then I put in the work to where I feel like I'm valuable. And then I reach out to them in a way like, how can I serve their brand? How can I serve their audience? Because I think another mistake with collaborations is that people only think about the benefit for themselves rather than how are you benefiting this person by using their time for this collaboration? So that's honestly really what my mindset is. And I don't really think a lot of people as my competition because, again, I know what I know. And they know what they know. Mm. And nobody can really discredit what I know just because of what they know. Mm. I like that. I like that. I think you and uh, this might be redundant, but I know you spoke on it just then. But I know. All right. And everybody in their career, they have they have whatever level you're at. You have people that are your I wouldn't say superiors, but hey, the people that are a little bit farther along than you. Yeah. And then there's people that are. But like not be behind you. Uh, yeah, I'm always trying to be conscientious, but are behind you, not where you're <laughs> yeah. at. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you how do what, what strategy do you do to reach out to people that are ahead of you to add value? And then what strategy do you do to still serve those people that may trying to get to where you're at? But, you know, you can't spend your whole day telling people how to launch a blog. Like I know because you, you create <laughs> and I know in my head, I know what the answer, but I just want to kind of create that because there's some people that are listening that are like, yo, I know I want to start reaching out to this, but I know. To, to other people that can push me, take me to the next level that I probably probably can help, but I have other people that 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 want my services or want my advice for free or whatnot, and I still want to mm-hmm. give it to them, and I don't know how to balance that. 
Oh, that is such a great question. So for the people that are, I guess, more ahead of me, but I want to collaborate, I always build the relationship first because it's it's not always just about, like you said, who can help me? How can I help them? It's about like, do you are you guys even able to create magic together? And you don't really know that until you get to know a person. Mm. Like just because two businesses are complementary doesn't mean that they're going to go well together. So I always start with, trying to build a relationship and you it's I, I usually use social media as like my initial relationship building platform. Mm-hmm. I'll have conversations with them, I'll engage with them, I'll support them, I'll retweet them, I'll share their stuff and they start noticing that. People notice when you support them. And then you can reach out to them and then say something specific about what you like about them without even asking them for anything. Like, hey, so-and-so, just read your blog post on XYZ. I really love these three points that you made. It's really helped me think differently about how I approach X. Just wanted to reach out and tell you thank you for all of the amazing content that you put out, XOXO, however you sign your name. And leave it at that. Let people know that they are valuable to you, that you support them, that you appreciate them and start building that relationship. Then once you realize pretty much what their end goal is and how you can support that end goal, then reach out again and say something like, hey, you know, I've really been after consuming your content or after following you and and connecting with you for these last couple of months, I really wanted to connect with you to see if you'd be interested in doing a collaboration on XYZ. I really think this can benefit both of us in these specific ways. Would love to see if you'd like to hop on a call. Mm. So I think that's that's definitely right there. Oh, good. Thank you. So I I hope that does help people because I think people are just kind of like scared to try to build that relationship. And it takes time. Like you don't just send out a tweet and then bam, you have a collaboration. Like build that relationship. Take the time to nurture that relationship. Now, for people that are not quite where you are and they reach out to you or they want to work with you, again, it comes back to creating that content. And I'm always telling people this, like there are so many people that cannot afford to work with me one-on-one, which makes sense. Like I completely get it because I work with people in their twenties and not everybody just has a thousand dollars laying around to have a conversation. (laughs) But that's why I also have masterclasses. That's why I have webinars. That's why I have blog posts. So if you come to me and say, Hey Maya, I'd really love to work with you, but I can't afford you at this level. I'm not going to reduce my pricing for you when I have blog posts on this specific topic that you're asking me about. I'm going to send you to a blog post or I'm going to send you to a $25 ebook that I already have on this topic. Mm, yeah so i guess that's so it's like it's kind of it, sh- it should be used if you are at a certain level and it's like people are reaching out to you certain things like ah it should be used as a gift that means hey create that product so we can immediately refer people to that instead of being like eh. and that's why i had to smack myself in the face people ask me the same questions and i looked at my blog i said greg people write with your blog but you you talk about a lot of other stuff it's like you uh, share some other stuff that people can really that people are asking that same questions that's that's freaking uh, phenomenal advice and with that being said though how do you how do you manage your time though because as an online entrepreneur you and i know you probably hire out people to do work with sell or our customer service but i know you have a you're doing a lot creating blogs running businesses <laughs> master courses traveling those are a lot of different mediums so how how as a online entrepreneur, because you know you are in front of the screen 15, 16, 18 hours a day, how do you manage time? Like, or, or does time just get away? Because I know some days you wake up like it's already Friday. Like, what the world? Oh my gosh. I literally never know what day it is. And it's so <laughs> embarrassing. Like, I'll be like, wait, is it Tuesday? And people are like, girl, it's definitely Friday evening. <laughs> um, 
but the thing, and it's funny, like people are always like, how do you do all of those things? And to be honest, I don't do all of these things at one time. Like I do a lot of things, but I don't do it all at once. And so I have different seasons in my business. Whereas I was just doing all of these workshops, I was not doing a lot of things online. Now that I'm about to focus launching this online program, I'm not going to be doing as much traveling. So I mean, it even comes back to like when I said I needed to drop out of college because I needed to focus on my business. I am not very good at focusing. So I have to stick to one thing that I'm going to do very well in and focus on that. I can't try to travel and then do webinars and then write a million blog posts and then all of these different things. I decide, okay, what do I want for this season of my business? How am I going to execute on it? Mm. I love that. So you break it down into seasons and then kind of, kind of go from there, right? Yep. Mm. So as far as a future round, what's, what's next for you in 2016? <laughs> uh, 2016, man, it's 2016's almost over. I feel yeah, like. I know, I know, I know. It's like, what's, what's the next, what's the, what's next for you next couple months? Because no matter of fact, boom, better question. What's next for you in 2017? Cause 2016 <laughs> is like, you got these last four months and if you ain't started on it, it's like, it's going to be hard to kind of promote and get, get it where it need to go right now. Oh man, 2017, if I really stick to it, I would love to have two books published and speaking in churches more. Honestly, that would make me so happy if that's what happened in 2017. So um, pretty much just got to be putting in the work for or now, probably the rest of 2016, I'm going to be focused on the people inside of my coaching program. 2017, going to work on trying to finish these books and getting into churches. Mm, I love that. Focus on kind of wh- who already who who's already in that tribe. Getting those. So you're trying to publish two books, or you already published a book, or you just? I'm trying to publish two. I started one, and then I was like, mm, I think I need to learn a little bit more before trying to finish this book. I was still like in a growing season, and um. I was like, let me kind of just put this to the side. And then I started writing a second book that I was like, I, I really know the information on this. So I want to get both of them out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds, that sounds phenomenal. And another question about the future, how, like, what are some things that you do personally to, to maintain your edge and to still stay, stay relevant in an industry where it's, it's so, it's, it's so, so competitive, even though, yeah, I believe it's a very competitive industry. And and whatnot. So what how do you what do you do? What are some things you do to maintain your edge? <laughs> um to be honest, I don't even know. Like I I don't think sometimes that I'm as edgy or as cool as people really think. Like I'm really just a regular person. Like I just kinda I honestly just do me. Like it's such a cop out response, but I just kind of just do what makes me feel good to be completely honest. And maybe what keeps me out there is just really caring about the people that follow my brand and want to learn and just having conversations with them. Nah, I think that's honestly the, the perfect answer because at the end of the day, the more the more of yourself you become, the more the more you know yourself the better person you become because you can you can stay on top of every trend you can say i need to do this i need to do that be strategic and all that stuff but sometimes that can take you farther away than who you really are and the audience you're really meant to serve so oh my um, gosh yeah i I, I love that i love that and um where do you like what do you see that and i think you talked about this early and i'm glad you talked about it as far as the subscription-based services because you know as you've seen the one dollar shave club just sold for a billion dollars and now yeah there's a lot of subscription-based like you said helps with income and then it makes you be more attentional and really build your own community and tribe but where do you see the future going in information products and this online coaching space and whatnot Oh man, I think it's just only going to get 
bigger, it's only going to get more cluttered. So number one, now is the time to get in to feel really confident and to be very clear on your story and what it is that you want to do. Because people are always trying to figure out how can I stand out in this saturated market? To be honest, the best way to stand out is to know who you are, know what makes you different. What makes you different is your story. Once you're really clear on your story, that's how you understand what you want to teach and who you want to teach. Mm. Can't say that any better. And the last question in the future round, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? <laughs> uh, when it's all said and done, I want to actually be remembered how people think of me now. People think of Maya Elias as somebody that's that's always willing to give information, whether it's free, whether it's paid, and somebody that they can relate to. I always want to be somebody that's relatable. Like I really love that people look up to me, but also feel like I'm approachable. Ah, I love that. That's a, that's another groundbreaking answer right there. Like how I, I, I like the way you think about that because uh, sometimes we, we have these grandiose like I want to be this, I want to be that, but at the end of the day, it's like you never know. You never know what's gonna happen. So I'm glad you're setting that precipice. Like, yeah, I just want people to know who I am now. Like, eh, I like it. I like it. So, <laughs> all right, we're going to the culture change round. I asked five rapid fire answers. I mean, rapid fire questions, and you can kind of answer how you feel. All right. Oh my gosh, this is this is harder than college, Greg. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, it's 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 a lot, but uh, <laughs> I try to stick to the script. All right. <laughs> what's the best piece of advice you ever received? Um, best piece of advice I've ever received: don't settle. Mm. What do you do to main? Uh, no, that's not it. Uh, what are your t- what is your top online resource that you use every day? <sighs> uh, Google Drive. Google Drive. I, I don't like Google Drive, but I uh, love it. I thought <laughs> it wasn't going to, but it's great, especially when you have a team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, but there is, there, I guess, there's all these other apps, but those apps are complex. Like, there's a, a lot of team sharing apps, but Google Drive really kind of does. Yeah. Thing. Oh, and Asana, because that's how I can delegate. So, what Asana. Is Asana. I've heard about Michael Hyatt talked about Asana. I know a lot of other people in the online space talk about Asana. Can you, what is Asana? Asana is basically just like a delegating tool for me, at least. So you pretty much just create checklists for different products and you can assign different tasks to different people. So it's even good if it if um, you don't have a team yet, because this can really just kind of keep you on track. It can help you create processes and systems in your business. So if you know that the process for writing a blog post is researching the topic, looking for a photo, writing the blog post, proofreading it, you want to write down each of those tasks and assign it to yourself with a due date. So those are some of the things you can do in Asana. And then obviously, if you have a team, you can assign it to the person on your team and kind of just follow up with them, make sure that they're getting it done and have conversations through there instead of like conversations through email back and forth all day. Perfect. What is your favorite book and why? (laughs) Oh, man. Favorite book? book um one book that i really like that i read fairly recently is called your money counts Mm. um his name is howard dayton and it's just basically a biblical a biblical guide to earning spending and saving money and and getting out of debt Mm, i love that i'm about to check that out check it out if you had to be an animal what would you be and why (laughs) (laughs) i'm playing i'm playing i'm playing playing. i was literally about to say i'm about to fight you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but this next question is real though if you were the president of the united states what is the first thing you would do oh man i if i was the president of the united states i would see 
how much access to money I had and then see what all the problems were and then figure out how I can fix those problems with the money. Oh, that sound it sounds simple. I know every president they go into <laughs> office and they said, "Oh, let's do this," and then it just it just gets crazy. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too many problems in this world for one for one man to fix. Yeah, it's it's uh it is I, I couldn't oh, imagine. <laughs> yeah, so, that wraps up everything. And you know, as we always do it, uh, I call myself the culture change agent. I always try to stay at least at least a little social sociably woke. And I do have this this last question that we have all our audience members asking, and then we wrap up the show is, if you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, uh, what would it be and why? One thing that I would change as far as like African-Americans and trying to put themselves out as business owners is that you can be yourself. You can be as black as you want because black is not a bad thing. Um, I think like a lot of times when people are trying to like, frame themselves as professional you see like all of these stock photos that don't really speak to like what they really are you see all these white folks in in their stock photos and i'm like girl now you know you don't even know any white folks that look (laughs) like that let alone have conversations or clients like that it's okay to be yourself it's okay to be black Mm, i love that i love that and uh and even even with the people that have photos i guess of themselves i mean it's not you you've never seen them in a suit and now they have suits and smiling or you've never seen them <laughs> in, yeah. in, in, at a cocktail lounge and now they're having drinks with friends at a cocktail lounge and you're like <laughs> what where did you get this setting from like you, you yeah i mean it's just like you could be yourself like i can talk about how fleeky my eyebrows are and i could still charge so many 1400 dollars for a coaching session it's just like be you the right people will be attracted to it and pay you for being yourself yeah, but as long as you're an expert, <laughs> like, you can right. be you. Like there's a lot of people being them, but they're not experts, and it don't translate. So don't make it look easy. I must. I'm gonna put the link to your uh your post about uh about making it look easy and what it really looks like because uh yeah, like it's not. Is it, she she is she is painting that picture like oh you can talk about eyebrows fleeky because you have seven to ten years, almost a decade of of knowledge and and branding, website development, all this other stuff. But let me go up there. And talk about my eyebrows and see how people want to book me for a hundred dollar sessions. <laughs> I'm so done with you. <laughs> but, I mean, but to be fair, if you think about it, I like I've definitely been doing the figuring out entrepreneurship now for seven, eight years, but like coaching, I've only been doing for maybe two years. So I mean I've been building my brand for all of these eight years, but you you right though. Yes, link that blog post because I don't like, you know. Sometimes I like making it seem easy because I don't want people to be afraid to start, but then I don't like it. But then I don't like making it seem easy because I don't want people to feel like they don't have to put in work. Hey, Maya, Maya, it's been a fantastic episode. I know you have shared many, many jewels, many things, but most importantly, I know online you have a lot more resources and a lot bigger uh, a crazy treasure chest of products of blogs of things that can address so many different things we touched on today in more depth so could you share with our audience where we can find you out online and where we can support you or where all that good stuff yeah honestly if you follow me on twitter at maya elias that's where you will be able to have conversations with me you can ask me questions you will figure out everything that I have going on. And I also have a Facebook group for content creators that want to create clear and strategic and purposeful content. So if you go to bit.ly slash content club, you can connect with me and my community on there as well. <laughs> all right. All right. So with that being said, Minority Trouble as a Nation, we just want to say thank you, Ms. Maya, for taking 
well over an hour of your time to just give us basically all the free coaching sessions. So uh, <laughs> I thank you for your time and, and, and everything that you've given us so far. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. I appreciate it. This was fun. Phenomenal, man. Thank you again, Maya. So my new trouble is nations. I got a couple of things I want to share and then we out. First and foremost, for those that love what Maya had to share and want to dig a little deeper, she actually has a course online and you can visit it at MasterYourMarket.co masteryourmarket.co online coaching sessions where she walks you through how to start that blog she walks you through how to create your first course on online product and she walks you through how to master your market so make sure you pay attention to that my iphone listeners if you haven't already please 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 take a couple seconds and leave a review if you don't know how you can go to greatyhill.com and backslash mt podcast and find out how it only takes about a minute and I would definitely appreciate it. Also, share with your friend. Please, please share with your friend. We have 39 If this is your first episode, we have 39 others that are phenomenal with great guests. So please make sure you tune in. If you're listening via SoundCloud or Stitcher, leave us a rating or whatnot. SoundCloud, follow us so you can be updated on the next podcast, all right? And then what else, what else, what else? Oh, my last thing, my last thing. I need you to do one thing and one thing only. And if you're new to this episode, it's going to be unfamiliar. And if you haven't, you already know what it is. Remember you're a genius and change the culture. Good night.